Welcome to The B-Sides, a podcast for progressives who love pop music. We're your hosts. I'm Hannah. I'm Mimi. And I'm Becky. Tune in for new episodes every other Wednesday to hear our conversations on pop's place in our world. And the music you should put in your ears to fuel your reckoning with the trash fires all around us. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Hello. Hello and welcome to the B-Sides podcast, which is a podcast for people who've got to keep an eye out for Selena's well-intentioned <laughs> but misguided attempts at addressing the long shadow of colonialism. If that's you want to know, that's it. Yeah. That's what we're here for. That's that's, that's actually what we're here for. Yeah. 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 And if you want to know more about that, stay tuned. We're glad you're here. The title might say it all, but um, we're here. We're here to discuss today. So subscribe if you haven't already. We come out every other Wednesday. So subscribing makes it way easier to keep up with us and open up the description of this episode to find other ways to join this internet home. So as I just alluded to today, we're going to review Selena Gomez's new documentary, My Mind and Me. Um, and then just so people know, as sort of a, a pairing to this in a way, um, we are having a Patreon episode this month about Aaron Carter, who sadly passed earlier this month. So um, you can check that out on Patreon, more info in a couple minutes, but I want to just give a blanket content warning for mentions of abuse mental and physical health struggles, a lot of things that unfortunately go along with child stardom. Um, and I may also share a scary quote about capitalism. I think you may. I think I may. I wish I may. I wish I might. Okay. So first, let's just do some quick housekeeping. Let's talk about Patreon. This season, we're excited to offer new Patreon rewards. If you join our Patreon for $5 a month, you'll receive a playlist connected to a podcast episode for that month, behind the scenes content like pictures and brainstorms, and a bonus episode a month or every other month. Um, This can be separate topics, musings that didn't make the final cut, something more unfiltered. This month, it's going to be us talking about Aaron Carter a little bit and the Carters more broadly. And we want to thank our patrons. Up until now, you've been patrons simply because you want to see this effort continue with no guaranteed perks. And we are so, so grateful. So a special shout out to Maria for joining this month. And thank you to Emily K, Hannah M, Celeste L, Indigo TH, Hannah B, Brett S, Margo B, Katie S, and Jordan W. You are our heroes. So join us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the B-Sides or email us at listen to the B-Sides at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, and ideas. Wonderful. So that's Patreon. Um, Second, we want to talk about our merch storefront. We now have some merch on TeePublic. You can get B-Sides t-shirts and other goodies there. And the link to that is in our show notes. Um, And finally, we want to talk about the other ways you can join our internet home. We are hashtag more than a podcast. Um, So first and foremost is our Discord. The link to join our Discord is in the show notes. It's a really fun um, space to talk about these episodes and also all things pop and progressive related. So join us in there. 
And then of course we do in fact have a TikTok and we have an Instagram where we probably speak directly with you all the most. And we have a Twitter and a Facebook too. We are heavily online. I repeat online. We are very online and that's all linked below. And we love that this podcast is more than just a podcast. All right. So let's get into the episode. I think I want to say up front that we can, we're talking about someone today who was a child star, Selena Gomez. And we're going to do that in our our Patreon episode too with Aaron Carter. So this is something we've been sort of thinking about a lot. Um, and And sort of how do we talk about people who are child stars as individuals as they they often are and like their struggles individually and and sort of like the morality or lack thereof that gets placed on that when they're actually really part of a many decades long system that creates and destroys child stars and and a lot of famous people but certainly like children who are more vulnerable um so i actually want to frame this discussion with a quote that applies to some of the biggest things we can imagine namely what capitalism is doing to the planet but on a smaller scale, I think, um, because it applies to child stars on a, on a smaller scale. Um, it applies to it girls, which we talked about before, a lot of aspects of fame and also of philanthropy, which we're going to get into in this episode. This is from a book that came out a few years ago, and I read it recently for work. So it's called A History of the World and Seven Cheap Things, A Guide to Capitalism, Nature and the Future of the Planet by Raj Patel and Jason Moore. And here they are talking about the extractive, destructive frontiers of capitalism. And like this quote has been sort of like swimming around my mind for a while. So they say, often in visualizations of the spread of capitalism, the image that offers itself is an asteroid impact or the spread of a disease, which starts at ground or patient zero and metastasizes across the planet. Capitalist frontiers require a more sophisticated science fiction. If capitalism is a disease, then it's one that eats your flesh and then profits from selling your bones for fertilizer and then invests that profit to reap the cane harvest and then sells that harvest to tourists who pay to visit your headstone. But even this description isn't adequate. The frontier works only through connection, fixing its failures by siphoning life from elsewhere. A frontier is a site where crises uh, encourage new strategies for profit. Whoa. You know, I, I, Mimi, I think that we should put this in the description of the episode actually in writing for those of you who maybe have been listening, but want to like read it in front of you. We'll put it in the description so you can read that again, because that there's a lot to take in there. Good call. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really intense quote. And I was like, should I put this in here? Um, but I do think that it speaks on some level to this child star formula, essentially of like building them up, breaking them down, and then individually individualizing that trajectory when it is actually by design or or what happens to them is sort of what is best for the people controlling the industry and, and what sells and it has less to do with the individual themselves and I want to lay that down as a foundation for some of the things that might come up in our discussion today about Selena Gomez and about sort of this whole like child star apparatus and I also want to say up front that, um, you know, if you're listening to this episode, we're we're trying to make this for everybody. So we've all watched the documentary. It would be funny if we tried to review it without watching it. <laughs> we've all watched it. That. And so if you if you're someone who watched it, um, you know, I think it'll be we're extrapolating enough that it should still be, you know, interesting. It's not just like a recap. Uh, but if you haven't watched it, 
in a sense, we've watched it so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Or if you if you want to watch it, like you could still listen to this and there will be, you know, quote unquote spoilers. But I, I don't think it'll sort of like ruin the the experience um, of watching it. There's still plenty more to to dig into, I guess. Absolutely. All right. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into the review. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I actually want to start with sort of like the first thing that I noticed um, about this is, is the reviews. Like there seems to be such a divide between what people on Rotten Tomatoes think of this documentary. Like we're talking 95% from critics and audiences so far. And then what we and people we personally know thought of it. I've I've asked people about it without... I went into it, you know, with with open open eyes, open clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose sort of thing. <laughs> and I've asked people without saying my opinion first. And like, to me, I think this may change as we talk, but like virtually everyone that I had talked to was sort of aligned. So we also asked you on Instagram, and I think we should read out sort of a few of your your responses, what you thought if you had watched the documentary as of a few days ago. So Shoshana says, I actually wish it was longer and dove deeper into her family, kidney transplant, transplant, and current work. I felt like the Kenya part was a bit white savory. Something felt off. And Leah says, didn't like it at all. Three exclamation points. Yeah. And Melanie said, I like the idea of it, but I think it really fell short. I didn't feel personal enough or dig deep. It said that she was dealing with mental illness, but didn't really show what that was like for her. It didn't, it didn't transition into talking about the rare fund or rare beauty, which was weird. It ended so quickly and didn't wrap up at all. Well, I didn't learn much about what she's doing. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the Rotten Tomatoes reviews are like mostly, uh, there are a few, there are a few uh, rotten ones, but the, the praise is like candid, real, raw, authentic, brave, beautiful, right. tragic, purpose, like all of those things that you want. And they were trying, probably trying to achieve. So um, I do think it was going for all that. But to me, it was sort of like both highly curated and confusing in terms of uh, lack of context and consistent messaging. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting divide that we don't really see that often um you could say it's rare capital r (laughs) rare uh do you guys have any further 
thoughts on on what sort of might explain that or should we just kind of get into our our top line feelings I do. I think that maybe like folks like us who've been listening to her and know her for a long time, perhaps aren't the same people who are reviewing these kinds of things. So like for her listeners or people who've literally grown up with her, we perhaps feel like we have a different relationship with her and maybe expected more out of her um, or expected to like get to know her more than like, let's say like the middle-aged man reviewing it at the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if that's who it was. The Wall Street Journal, that's some assuming based. <laughs> the odds of that are being high. Uh, Journalism. Is all. <laughs> Well, I feel like I think a lot of that 95% came from fans who are different than what you're saying, Becky, people who are like, whatever she puts out, I'm giving five stars because I will like this is what that's what standum is. Whereas we're in, we and our Instagram followers, our followers, I think are on this middle ground where we, we really want like, we're ready to get some more real content from her. Like we, we support her. We've want, we've grown up with her. Many of us, I mean, I think I'm literally the exact same age as her. Like we, we feel a lot of affinity for her. So we're kind of like, if you're promising us this raw documentary, we're like, we're ready for it. And so, but we also are, of course, you know, we take pop pop and pop adjacent media um, with a critical eye. So I think we hold, hold them more accountable than Mm -hmm. uh, someone who's like a features writer. And, you know, I think she's, she, they started recording this in like 2016 and it like this, it spanned a really long time. And unfortunately for Selena in the last few years, especially since COVID, the rise of the pop biopic, not biopic documentary, like the celebrity documentary. I mean, there's just so many of them. Yeah. So this, and this one really like, I read something that the director said where he was like, we wanted to do, we didn't want to do a typical celebrity documentary. We wanted to do it different. And I was like, you actually did it exactly the same, which is fine. It's fine. It's a formula that works. It's fine. Not a big deal, but you did nothing groundbreaking here. This is like. And in some ways revealed much less than um, other ones like Demi Lovato's. Mm. I thought, I thought. Yeah, no, I thought so too. I think that's a great point. Um, that's, that's really interesting. And they, right. The, I think like the trajectory of so much of the world has gone off the rails uh, in a way that we didn't anticipate in 2016 mm-hmm. at the time when they started filming this. And so that could be a part of it too, but it's true. It's like all the pandemic documentary, like the Britney documentaries alone, you know, there were so many of those. So yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So why don't we talk about our top line feelings just about sort of where we're at with, with this documentary or, or with Selena more broadly? Yeah. So overall I enjoyed getting to know Selena, like on a personal level, I'm always, I always like I'm rooting for her to succeed, especially given all the challenges that have been thrown her way, which you see a lot in the doc, including lupus and her bipolar diagnosis. But I do feel like her producers and her directors really did her dirty with this documentary. There was like barely any context that had ended similar to what Melanie said, like really abruptly. We didn't really get to know her friends or the people in her life at all, except maybe to be able to critique them because we're given no context to really how they, you know, helped Selena or they thought about Selena on like her journey for lack of a better word. Um, That's even what they say in the doc. And I felt that there was zero need for the weird interludes with her photos and journal entries. It felt very self-indulgent and it kind of ruined the doc for me because it felt like funny. I don't know. (laughs) Not that it like, it was like over trying to be serious. Trying to be very serious. It read completely wrong and it kind of made me, on a larger scale show how like disconnected she is 
from the world as like most celebrities are. Though Becky, when I was taking notes during um, watching this movie, the, that was the word I kept writing down was like, she seems so disconnected from the real world and it's not her fault. Like uh, any celebrity I think is. Um, so you two saw this movie before this film before I did, and you had some very valid critiques when we were talking about it. Um, and so I went into it thinking it was going to be really bad, but actually for the time that I spent watching it, I was totally charmed. I was like willing to go wherever they wanted to go. I was like putty in her hands. I was like, this is so powerful. I kept like pausing it and Logan and I kept talking about it. And like, I just felt like I was really in it with her. But then once it ended, I was like, wait, what did I just watch? So I'm still trying to process. Um, my impressions of her is that like, I was saying she's just extremely disconnected from reality in a way that like all Uber celebrities are, but that's what I got from this. And I don't think that was what they wanted us to get. That's what, but that's what I took from this is that she like is really disconnected from reality, um, both mentally, but I, I mean, just like in the way that celebrities live their lives. And I felt like my heart was breaking for her the whole time. And I think there were moments when they wanted the audience the audience's heart to break hearts to break for her. Like there were moments when that was purposeful, but then there were moments where I felt like they were actually trying to show that she was like strong and driven. And like in those moments, my heart kind of broke for her too. I was like, Oh my gosh, like you, your life is really like not great. (laughs) Like, and the, not just your life, but like the, the stories you tell about yourself aren't serving you. Like that's, I was very like armchair psychologist in this of like, even the stories that she, even the things that she does to like give herself hope and meaning, I think we'll talk about this later. I actually feel like are hurting her. Um, and I think that has to do with, um, like how much she really embodies the very, very mainstream dominant culture of like white Christian woman, millennial, like culture. Like, so I have, a, I, I'll have more to say about that later. I can't wait. I I really agree, though, with the points that both of you have made. I mean, I think that, like I said above, I just think that there were times when I was, like, charmed by it or I was, like, I wanted to keep watching. So I was, like, where's where are we? Where, like, literally, where are we going? Right. Because um, there was very little sort of actual narration aside from the journal entries that were that did not really serve that purpose. Um, and so... I couldn't figure out what the point was. And I think that, um, you know, with editing and music, you can often turn around a scene and and make it feel totally differently. And so some of the scenes that were meant to be inspirational or something like that could have been with different editing, maybe. I mean, maybe we would have seen taken our own sort of thoughts out of it anyway and and seeing what we were going to see no matter what but I just think I have no idea really what they were trying to do and we're going to talk about her team in a little bit um but yeah I'll just say like I do I do appreciate that she is this sort of like rare low energy celebrity as a low energy person and she has like plenty of other reasons beyond to sort of like have that disposition at all times um but I see that and I'm like I appreciate that, you know? Uh, and I do just want to say, I think like for 10 years, I've been charmed by the fact that she's got like all of these bops, um, that I forget about. And then I'm like, oh yeah. 
And then just the Nicki Minaj line, I've got to keep an eye out for Selena is like, has turned out to be like a really crucial moment <laughs> with such staying power in, in pop music and comedic history. And part of what makes it comedic, I think, is that like Selena Gomez herself is so demure. She's so yes. like not, she's so unassuming that <laughs> Nicki Minaj, like that's such a, that's such a, a lyric. And now I also realize it is, even though it wasn't like real and it's a little inappropriate uh, because Nicki Minaj was uh, 30 years old and she was talking about Justin Bieber, who's 18. So <laughs> oh my God. there's that. But um, yeah, I think so. Let's get into this in more depth. Uh, like you said, Hannah, this documentary opens in 2016 and it generally provides very little context into Selena's life, health projects team there are some insights throughout but it's sort of disorienting or hard to process since it lacks foundational storytelling even if you consider her a household name it's just like right. there are so many right. spliced together clips right um without narration and sometimes the narration is just her reading snippet snippets from these journal entries and that is supposed to be sort of like the framework for a whole sequence um and I think the only way to really like understand what's going on potentially is if you've read up on her right beforehand. Like even if you already are very familiar with her, it's like, wait, what happened? And then you read her whole Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, with that said, let's get into some some context before we mo go more. Like in they depth. didn't, but we will. Like they didn't, but we will for anyone who has watched or has not watched or is planning to watch. Um, cause when we think, when we watch something new, we've got to think about like why this person and their team decided to release it now. Mm -hmm. And to make sense of this, it's helpful to know what are Selena's irons in the fire. So Hannah's right. going to tell us about that. I think you pointed out, like, they don't really talk about that. And that's, that's good they to know. really don't. And it's weird because, um, I don't know. I, I often would expect a documentary like this to kind of be, um, to have a trajectory where it ends with like this moment in her career is perfect. And then the next one that comes out 10 years later will be like, this is why 2022 wasn't perfect. But I would expect some sort of like, this is why what she's doing right now is perfect for her. And I was surprised they didn't even mention some of her biggest things she's doing right now. Yeah, like we don't even know if she's like enjoying acting again. Didn't come up at all. Like not at all. <laughs> her acting period didn't come up at all. They mentioned Disney in passing, but never that she. I mean, she Just was comparing such her a great to a witch. Yeah, yeah. Um. So here's what she is up to right now, as far as I know. If there's something I missed, please um, DM us or email us. Um. As we know, and as they spoke to a little bit, she is a multi hyphenate. This movie was much more about her singing career than anything else. Um, but for the 2010s and, um, uh, you know, of course, her most public facing work at that time was was music, but it was also music. I'm sorry, movies and TV. Her last full album came out in 2020. And that's kind of almost when this documentary feels like it ends in some ways, but not necessarily. But that was like that was her last full album. Rare. She's put out a number a number of singles and features since then. And a lot of it's actually been in Spanish. She's uh, she put out an EP that was called Revelacion in 2021, and that was Spanish language. I think mostly, if not entirely. So since like the height of her fame, she has not slowed down. Uh, in like the 2010s, um, she has not slowed down. But I do think that her celebrity looks a little different right now because she did have to take certain breaks. 
And I think it's just like evolved. So the irons in the fire that she have right now, that she has right now, I have five to share. One is only murders in the building. They have put out two seasons of this Hulu show. She plays one third of this ensemble comedy, which I personally love. I'm super charmed by Martin Short and Steve Martin and her. It's a nice little ensemble. Number two is Rare Beauty, her um, makeup and skincare brand, which is getting bigger and bigger. Number three is an HBO series called Selena and Chef, which started out as like a quarantine thing and I think has now um, continued uh, where she tries to cook with like fancy chefs. Um, That I find is like one of her most charming things. Number four is My Mind and Me, which feels like it's becoming this mini brand because it's this movie, it's this documentary we've talked about, but it also came out at the same time as a song called My Mind and Me, which they played throughout the whole, the whole time. The like score of the movie was the song um, the whole time. Number five, this is something I didn't know off the top of my head. This is just like when I went, I was like, what's in Selena's Instagram bio right now? Like, I just wonder what she's promoting. And it was this wonder mind. This is what they call it an ecosystem to destigmatize mental health for all. It's like there's a podcast, it's a newsletter, it's a blog, there's articles, there's brand deals, et cetera. It's like, it's like the B-sides. It's a home on the internet. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And he's throwing like, up a, a red flag <laughs> emoji react, which I agree with. <laughs> which part is the red flag, Becky? The whole thing. Uh, anything that's uh, characterized as an ecosystem yeah. to me is an MLM, is a scheme. As long, I actually think it's good they don't call it a community. Yeah, but ecosystem is just another word for that. It's just a fancier word. So some of those things um, have been cross promo for herself. Like we mentioned with My Mind and Me being this like little brand because it's like this song and it's this documentary. The other example is Rare. So Rare was her 2020 album name. It came from a single on the album called Rare. And then Rare Beauty launched. She also had a tattoo that said Rare. So she was like really in the Rare thing. Um, And Rare Beauty has been very successful. I have not Googled that. So I don't like have the numbers. I felt like it was actually, I, I feel like the impression of it being successful is interesting enough, whether or not it's actually backed by data. Um. I think, you know, celebrities have always had brand deals. They've always had brand lines since the beginning of time. But I do think since Rihanna's founding of Fenty Beauty in 2017, celebrities have really flourished in this beauty space. Lady Gaga, Halsey, Millie Bobby Brown, Ariana Grande um, have launched these similar like millennial and Gen Z facing beauty lines. Maybe actually Kylie Jenner created this mold. I'm not really sure. We can discuss that in the Discord. Let me know who you think started that whole like model. Um, so yeah, I mean, my impression without checking any data at all is that after Rihanna, Selena's rare beauty line is like the most publicly successful, but that also might be because I use a lot of her products. Shout out to her liquid liner. It's really great. Oh, and highlighter, great highlighter. So that's she what would. she's up to right now, which they barely talk about in this documentary. I don't understand, mm-hmm. but that's what she's doing. That's wild. I, I do trust her with eyeliner in a way yeah. that I, and highlighter. Um, and I do think, yeah, it's like, I, I could see, I've, I've been meaning to watch, um, only mirrors in the building oh, and really it does like sound it. really charming. And I so really does like it too. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So we didn't, so now we know about all those projects. Thank you. 
which we would never have learned from the documentary. And so, but behind, it's interesting because like behind a lot of these projects are obviously Selena's team, her crew. And I've, I, I recently have thought like on some level that she's got a great team and I'll put it this way. Like she's allegedly been involved in all sorts of things that would make someone of her age and status over the last 10 to 15 years tabloid fodder, but she's sort of stayed out of that press for the most part and under the radar and I think that's her team protecting her image. But at the same time, they they appear a lot in this documentary. They produced it uh, with her. And, and watching some clips of her interacting with them was somewhat unsettling. It just seems like everyone she hangs out with is on her payroll, which maybe makes sense for a touring pop star. But it's still kind of hard to watch in this case. I don't know. Becky, can you uh, tell us more about what you think and and sort of who is in Selena's crew? Yeah. So when I first heard about the documentary, I was most excited to get to know the people who surrounded Selena. It's often like celebrities often have posses that are with them 24 seven, you know, making the line between a friend and a coworker often blurred. And I, I feel like child stars, especially who spent their entire lives in the spotlight, sort of unsure who they can trust, sort of like immerse themselves with a team of three or four people who are like loyal to them. I think a lot about the Kardashians who like have like each of them have like a couple of friends who they can like really, really trust because they have a deep, um, just like a deep insecurity about the people that surround them. So like having folks around you all the time who support you can be a blessing. And I think as maybe like as mentioned above too, sometimes they can be the family that you never had or that you desperately crave. And that can also be incredibly toxic because also in order to have a friend there to be with you all the time. And in the Selena doc, we're talking like, all the time someone slept with her in the same bed it looks like in some of the clips I don't know if they stayed the entire night but they got to also be I assume on Selena's payroll in some way uh so it blurs the line between like who is a friend and who is an employee which I think is a larger discussion for another day too about like what does a crew mean and like are it's hard for a celebrity to know like who really is their friend and I think that's why they celebrities really have so few of them um, so to get to who is like in Selena's small crew, I'll preface this that I didn't watch Selena and Chef, uh, which if you did, you were probably more familiar with Raquel Stevens than I was, uh, because the doc provides you little to no context. They just, she's just there. And they mentioned that she, they've been friends for over 10 years, though. I could not find how or where they met. It's not mentioned in the documentary. We're given no context. So if you're a deep Selena fan and you, and you know the history between them, please let us know in the Discord. Um, I would like to know they've been friends for 10 years, which means they weren't, they haven't, they've been friends throughout Selena's quote unquote like adult life. Um, so Raquel naturally is a podcast host and an author. A lot of her personality is based off of, you know, giving back which is similar to Selena. She has a new book coming out called The Sunshine Mind, uh, which is described as your guide to finding hope and joy in every day and embracing the beautiful person God made you to be. Real, honest, and shared from personal experience, Tanya Rad, who is the co-author and also she does an iHeartRadio show with Becca Tilly called Scrubbing In, and she's just like a big uh, rich white lady, but I don't think she, I think she became more rich from, from being on iHeartRadio sort of like herself. And they, so they wrote Sunshine Mind with today's women, woman on their hearts. 
Each of the 100 inspiring readings offers faith, hope, strength, and peace to encourage you to become the beautiful person God made you to be. Safe to say, I don't, I don't think I'll be picking that book up, but uh, I'll ask Mimi and Hannah if it's something you guys are interested in, you know, having got to know Raquel on the dock. It is emphatically not something I'm interested in. And this yeah. is like exactly, um, this is like my problem with the way people talk to Selena. And what I mean when I say she's disconnected from reality is like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Becky, you'll talk about some of the backlash Raquel faced in this document. And we can talk about whether or not we think that's deserved. Cause yeah, I have some things to say about that. Yeah. So Raquel has received quite a lot of backlash from the document, the documentary with folks calling her rude and dismissive. Um, there's a specific scene that a lot of people have pointed to when they're in Kenya where Selena's like, I love it here. And Raquel is reminds her that like, this isn't reality. And like, this isn't life. Um, I don't really agree with a lot of this backlash We're we're shown specific points, uh, in time, which are curated to make us feel some way about it. Uh, and caring for a friend with a, a mental disorder is really challenging for both the friend and the, and the person that's suffering and boundaries, which are really hard to probably don't translate well on screen and they can make someone like Raquel seem dismissive mm-hmm. and like not acting appropriately or not like respecting Selena. And I, I can see, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the backlash is fair for Raquel. I think a lot of people are going to stand Selena and think that she's being a bad friend when I think Raquel is, is like, is trying to bring Selena back to a place that's like, correct. Yeah. I, I hear that. I think that it's really, it's a very helpful reminder, Becky, that like Raquel's a person too, right? So like, she doesn't just exist to serve Selena, but like she has her own personality. She has her own boundaries. But I think that part of my problem with Raquel, which is like similar to some of the backlash that you mentioned, um, but my own like take on that is um, she really, the parts that we saw of her, which again, as you mentioned, are small snippets, I felt we're really trying to get Selena to have a quote unquote positive attitude, which I see in like the, the, the quote you shared with us about her book, like, I think there is this really toxic form of positivity that is really not helpful. And I think there were certain times when like, you know, she said, Selena was like saying she didn't want to go to a party. I think something like that in Paris and Raquel and her getting a little fight, which I actually appreciated that they showed. It was very interesting to see that they showed like friends fighting. Um, But Selena was like, you don't think I'm grateful for my life? Like I am, I'm happy. I'm happy. And Raquel's like, okay, well, you just don't sound happy. And Selena's comment back was, I am, I am. And it's like, what if, why can't Selena say I'm not? (laughs) And that's okay. I don't want to go to this party tonight. I don't want to go out tonight. Like it felt like Raquel really wanted her to be positive. It felt like Raquel was an embodiment of like Instagram, Canva made like trite sayings. And it feels like Selena constantly was taking in and also giving out these like trite, like platitudes about being happy, about being grateful that are so individualistic. There's so much about your own mindset and your own like life. And it made me, I don't know. I don't want a friend like Raquel. I'll just say it that way. Especially (laughs) not if I was a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of felt that way too, but I do appreciate this sort of, um, greater dimension that you're, you're bringing to her Becky. Cause I, yeah, I I I was thinking about that part too cuz it's like she Selena's had so many 
things to contend with, health issues, um, and 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 just being like tired on a press tour. Like sometimes you yes. could be happy, but if you're tired enough or you're dehydrated, or especially with these other compounding things that she deals with, like you're not gonna be happy in that moment. And also she's low energy and that translates differently sometimes to to other people. So it's like it's almost like she doesn't want Selena to like have the disposition that she has. She has. And it's like, sorry, that's who that's that's who you work with and that's who your friend is. Posses are weird. Posses are really mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. So she she has a few um other friends too. Ashley Cook and Selena had a friends we were longer than that, though there really is no information about Ashley out there. She, like Selena and Raquel, care a lot about mental health and friendship. She released a set of stationery to help friends stay in touch during the pandemic, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's Courtney Ashley. Lopez, okay. another one of Selena's besties, is the founder of the uh West of Fairfax social media agency. Again, not much information out there about her, but she enjoys the beautiful Instagram aesthetic as the other ones do. The four of them have matching tattoos. Um, so they're a very close group. One thing I, I did wish the doc did more of was showed us more about Priscilla, which is her best friend and her cousin, yeah. who like obviously has known Selena throughout her entire life. And we aren't given like really any like interviews with her, any like how did Selena's diagnosis, like how do you feel about that and her recovery and her lupus and everything barely anything like that we're just showing them like driving around in texas which is is nice but we're really provided like the one person you assume probably knows selena really well we we don't see any of that plus her mom is like barely in this documentary which i thought was a bit weird considering that selena says they're super close and her younger sister maybe she didn't want her younger sister on film that that could be it she appears at least on the social media that we see she hangs out with her younger sister quite a lot and she's like not in the dock at all. We only get three direct cameras in the very beginning. And it seemed weird that they would do this once and then never again. You mean in the from interview her mom? style? Yeah. yeah. Her interview and from and Priscilla, I think one of them. I would have I would have liked to have more folks who knew her like pre-wizards of Abilly Place talk about that. We kind of meet these people briefly, but we're given like zero context. Like who is that woman we visited at her house? Like like her neighbor, right? Yeah, but we yeah. don't really know beyond anything why? than that. Yeah, like why was she important to Selena? They and it didn't some- reveal anything about Selena. It was like, okay, yeah. Selena remembers having cookies at her house. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And then I was like, are you going to give this woman like $50,000 to pay for the medical bills? Clearly she has outstanding. Like yeah. that would have been something like, uh, it's so good to see you. I heard you're really sick. Let me help pay for your dialysis. Like that, I don't know. I was expecting like that kind of saviorism to come in, which- probably would have been nice. And like, I loved when she stopped to talk to her neighbor's house, but again, no context. I was like, what's going on here? Like we heard a little bit stories about Selena, but we, yeah, I don't know. I don't, we don't want to talk about the kidney of it all because that's even a conversation about a friend that goes down another deep end. I'm kind of glad Taylor wasn't in it because that would have been a whole rabbit hole that I'm glad we didn't get to indulge. That didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Me neither. She's like, she's tightened in the posse, totally. but we didn't eat. Yeah. It you know what this like- is reminding me, Becky? Like, I also didn't really think about this until you said it, but I do think one of the weird things about the documentary is like, there are some direct-to-camera interviews, but very few compared to a typical documentary. And I think yeah. that the directors like literally never made a choice about whether or not this was going to be a documentary <laughs> with direct-to-camera interviews or not. Um, certainly yeah. there was none of Selena, not a single one. Her journal mm-hmm. entries, I, 
I bet she didn't want to. I think she wanted her journal and entries to speak for themselves, which as we've discussed, they didn't. Um, but then like, there's a few people who at the beginning, there's these direct to camera interviews and you're like, Oh, you're going to see them again. Yeah. We never do. I know that was, I thought was like terrible contacts. And I actually enjoyed the direct to camera when we got that in the beginning. And I thought that that was what the doc was going to be like. And I was like, Oh, that's really great. We're going to see a lot of perspectives, first person's perspectives about what was happening to her. And then we just don't. Mm-hmm. And we never see her mom again. Well, uh, I what, what I think was so interesting with her. Okay. First of all, with the neighbor agreed, it would take under 30 seconds to give a little bit of context that could make a scene much more powerful or not. I don't know. Cause I don't know enough about the neighbor to know if it, it would be powerful, but it could have been. Um, and with her mom, I think it's so interesting. I think one of the first, one of the, those um, direct to camera interviews had a soundbite of her mom saying that she learned that Selena was admitted to a psych ward from TMZ. Yeah. Which I thought was so, I mean, that that's another element of, of sort of child stardom or or fame in a lot of cases, but to have that and then a lot about, you know, how her mom's her best friend, I thought that was really interesting. And I think they could have, I don't know (laughs) if I, I want them to like explore that more because it feels sort of like exploitation but I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition that they just sort of like left on the table. And that's not, that nugget is super interesting. Like that's why I wanted to watch the documentary because I wanted to hear stuff like that. Not like Selena Gomez and Raquel going to Kenya with like a now defunct, terrible organization. Mm -hmm. Like I would have liked to hear her mom be like, yeah, it was really hard when like she started her lithium or something like that to like help destigmatize. Like we learned nothing about medicine for mental health care. And I assume that she probably is on medication for her bipolar diagnosis. And that probably adds to why she's pretty low energy because those medications can take a lot out of your body and Mm -hmm. and make you irritated in ways that like none of that context was supplied to you. And again, it's like, she she doesn't owe us this explanation except that she seemed to have promised some raw and like unfiltered content through this documentary. So it's like on... Without this documentary, I wouldn't ask her to tell us tell what what are you on this this month, Selena? Right? Like I wouldn't I wouldn't ask no, that. But I but she promised this this movie a little bit is writing a check I can't cash in terms of like it's promising this raw thing, this brave, all those words from the Rotten Tomato reviews. But then when you actually step back, you say, What did I learn that I didn't know about Selena Gomez from this documentary? Like, what did I really get? Well, I think she had a big opportunity to talk about medication and to talk about the way that like mental illness is treated. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she's talking about destigmatizing everything, which is great. But part of that is medication and destigmatizing like, yeah, I'm waking up and I'm taking my lupus medication and I'm taking my bipolar medication because I have a chemical imbalance. It's not, I'm not at fault. It's not my own, like I'm not making this up. It's that yeah. this is the way my brain works and it's different than everyone else's and I have to regulate it. But yeah. 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 Let's get into that some more and sort of like think about what each, what different parts of this mm-hmm. we're doing and, and trying to accomplish maybe because they have, they show all these different aspects to her, which I think is interesting. Um, but I, I'm not sure what we learned, but maybe we'll learn something through yeah. talking about them. Maybe we'll yeah. learn what we should have learned. Okay. Great. So the first one, um, I want to talk about just is sort of like what you see kind of most surface level, I guess, if you hear about her, which is like 
Selena as pop star slash bad singer. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, like I said at the top, like some of these clips reminded us, I think, that she's got so many bangers, but also that she can't sing, but also that she is a pop star with great hair. Like there's a part where she's rehearsing and then performing at the AMAs and she's just way off. But then there are these clips of her walking around the stage with all the trimmings of a pop star. I guess I didn't understand the commitment to that juxtaposition, especially with so little context. Did either of you have any more thoughts on that? Mimi, I don't think they see it as a juxtaposition because I don't think the Selena Gomez brand, including Selena Gomez, thinks mm-hmm. or at least allows themselves to think of her as a bad as a bad singer. Mm-hmm. So what they show you with they're like it's behind the scenes and what you see. It's not like look how she's not that good on on a live mic but then when she's on a concert she's not that good either but you don't notice because she has a lot of extensions and wind in her hair and the wind is doing all the work of the <laughs> yeah like, except yeah i think so too except there was that except that one part at the ama is where it's where like, they did show yeah yeah. But overall, they were like, that's a fluke, I guess, or something right. like that. Well, it's yeah. right. Exactly. So if you didn't see it, they show that in the 2020, I guess, AMAs, she sang Lose You to Love Me. And she got a lot of backlash for it not being good. What they showed was the backlash. What they didn't show was whether or not Selena agreed or disagreed with that criticism. And I think they more showed it as like, uh, here are some ups and here are some downs. Um, but I will say, so this aspect makes me very sad the aspect of her vocal ability um frankly there's more i'd say to you two privately than on a hot mic about this i feel like there's only so far you can get in this conversation without starting to be a little like mean which i don't want to be um but i really i think this must be an incredibly difficult area for of her stardom for her because i bet again this is armchair bullshit like i hope I hope and expect Selena Gomez is not, is not listening to this <laughs> and would have something different to say. But like, I wonder if she sometimes feels a little gaslit by the positivity around her. Um, mm-hmm. In some of the early footage from uh, her 2016 revival tour, she's like, this sounds bad. And then also in the AMA's performance uh, rehearsal, she's like, this sounds bad. And people around her are like, no, you're great. You just need to be confident. You just need to believe in yourself. But like what she knows, she can tell. Yeah. And I think that's just like another thing added to this poor girl's brain of like, she has an instinct and people tell her on the one hand, trust your instincts, you're a star. And on the other hand, no, don't trust your instincts. Listen to us because our finances are tied to you having a great night out there tonight. Yeah. So just fucking like pretend, like think that you're doing really well. And she must feel gaslit by that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a great point. Mm. Yeah, I feel bad for her with that. Yeah, like she, I, she's like, she's cool on some level, you know, and she is, she's more down to earth, it seems, than a lot of people with her level of fame. And so yeah. it's like, I feel like she has, she gets it on some level. Yeah. And so it must be, yeah, that must be tough. That was tough to watch. I mean, let's just say everything I felt I needed to know about Selena Gomez, I learned in 2009's Disney Channel Send It On music video. When the Send It On music video came out, which was Miley, Demi, Selena, and the three Jonas Brothers 
Selena and Kevin had the tiniest little part of the bridge to sing where they sang basically nothing. And I remember at the time being like, why is Selena even in this? She's the best actress out of all of them. She's a bad singer. She doesn't need to be in this. Why are they forcing her to sing? She should just act. She's way better at acting than everybody else. But I was confused at why they were putting her in the Send It On music video at all. And then it only got worse from there, putting her with all these songs. And I remember being like, why? She can't. It's not a big deal. I can't sing. She can't sing. That's okay. You don't have to sing. <laughs> but she committed to it. Yeah. She did. She did. And Kevin, that, that's such a, it's a funny throwaway moment. In that. Mm-hmm. that also reminded me of when they were talking about her. She had broken up with Justin Bieber at this point, but they were talking about her like doing some other collab with him. And she's like, when can I just be that's enough right. by myself? And I was like, damn. That was a sad moment. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you are, but maybe not as a singer, but that's okay. Like as a person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, Becky. Anything else to say on this part? No, I, th- I think you guys nailed it. I, I, that's why I kind of wish she talked about only murderers or like going back to acting because I, yes. I do think that's her strength. Like only murder, she's great in only murders. Yeah, it's like stop trying to make the singing happen. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so one other thing. Sorry. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> on the no context train, it made me think of um, when she released um, "Lose You." lose you to love me we're given no time context and with you know a big pandemic that happens in 2020 we're really told like when it came out I said to my friend I was watching with I was like when did this come out because she's like going on all of these tours and all of these things and you realize it's like the end of 2019 but we're like given no time stamps throughout the entire thing that I was like left being like when the fuck is this happening I am so confused like who's letting her travel like this anyway Mm -hmm. I associate rare with like the end of the world like I remember (laughs) like that happening at the same time (laughs) not Kesha's album (laughs) oh yeah and Kesha's album oh yeah I think that's a great point especially because there is uh as, as someone who works on timelines and as someone who, especially because there is in the very beginning, it says 2016, right? There yeah, is right. a timestamp for that. And then there's never another one. So they set a pattern and then, then don't repeat it. So you would think that it's 2016 the whole time. They and do then you're one like, Wait. 2019. They do one 2019. Oh, they do a 2019, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But they, yeah, but they show things in between, right? That it's like. It's very confusing. Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. with, you know the world and the pandemic happening, you like need context for these things. And even in March, 2020, Oh, we don't even know. Just do what so many documentaries and shows are doing where you have a slide. That's like March 13th, 2020. It's like, we we all know. Yeah. 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 I movie. I can show you how. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So let's talk about another element of this where actually there were timestamps at some point because there was a camcorder involved which I thought was sweet for her old like home videos yeah yeah yeah. so um so another dimension they show is like Selena as this Texas kid um with this sort of sentimental childhood but also difficult school and family life and I was very endeared to some of the camcorder footage that they showed from 1995 I thought it was like really cute and sweet I was like oh baby Selena yeah um but I don't I didn't get much of a sense of her relationship with her parents from that or much like that 
Yeah, Mimi, that's exactly what I was going to say. What happened with her dad? I have no, did he die? I'm we're given no context. Just the way that shocks about him. I'm like, am I supposed to assume that her biological father died? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys felt that way. Yeah. Or know what happened to him. Oh, okay. I totally felt that way. Um, we actually paused it because Logan was like, wait, so he's dead? And I was like, no, I don't think so. Like, and then we kind of Googled it. Like, no, he's not. They're just, I guess they're a little estranged is my understanding. Okay. That's what I figured, but they're talking about it as if he had died. Again, she yeah. doesn't owe us an explanation, but it's weird to give us a little explanation and then not just like close the loop, put a period at the end. Or of the just episode. be like, I don't speak to my dad. I'm not. Yeah. I don't really. Mimi, do you know more about that? No, I, I had the same reaction where I was like, he sort of drifts off like the balance of it was so strange because it really was right in the middle of like he could have died and she doesn't talk about it or he could have they could just be estranged her mom's her best friend they got divorced when she was young um but I yeah he's he is alive still as far as I know and that's kind of it I don't I also I looked it up too and I didn't see much about it um so maybe it's something she doesn't talk about much but i i do think there's a way to like not delve too deep but just be concise about totally you know they also show an old clip of him which makes me which made me feel like he died because they like Mm -hmm. showed one clip of him and it was them hugging Mm -hmm. when she was like three yeah yeah yeah. This whole this whole episode that we've been recording today has really reminded me that I actually think Demi Lovato's most recent documentary was much better than I gave it credit for at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that's coming to mind for me with this that you just said, Mimi, is like there is like a truthful, concise, and not oversharing version of t- talking about estranged family members that Demi Lovato has actually nailed. Mm-hmm. Like Demi is someone who's been like, I don't know, I have a complicated relationship but I was really sad when he died. And then she has, I mean, she also has like some songs about him. I mean, she has given us more than Selena, but there's a vert, like there is a one sentence that is like as much as Selena wants to tell us and no more version of Selena just telling us a little bit more, like, is this man dead or not? Or did you get brunch with him last week? Like we like literally can't tell at all. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. And she does say, right. It's like, again, this doesn't explain a ton, but she says that, you know, her, her parents had her very young. They got divorced very young. She grew up very poor until she made a show business in like second grade. And um, yeah, we talked earlier about her mom being her best friend and, and TMZ. Um, and then there's this part, you know, I, I think like the crux of this is like she goes back home to the Dallas area and like visited, I put in quotes, her old neighbor. She did visit, but like yeah, her old neighborhood. I thought that was a little bit tough to watch um I I thought like this she went back to her school for example and she's like oh I go back here whenever I can but then like she doesn't know she doesn't go often enough to know how how to get get into the building or anything about that um she can't get into the office uh, until like she finds someone who works there in the parking lot I think and then she kind of shows up unannounced and she's like talking to these starstruck kids and she does the school announcement, which Hannah reminded me of um, our high school. Kobe Bryant went to our high school and uh, he came, he came, go aces. And he came back um, in like 2007 and did the announcements for a week. And I was like, this is like that sort of. Was it for a whole week maybe? Yeah. Wow. I think in my mind, Yeah. it was at least like three days. Okay. 
And, and so she's like, so then she's in a classroom and she tells the class, whatever it is you think you can't do, just know that no one is going to tell you no, but yourself. And I know she meant well by that, but like, what? This reminds me of a Selena Gomez song. Honestly, coincidentally, not yeah. because this is Selena Gomez <laughs> saying this. Selena Gomez's song, Who Says? Yeah. Who Says Who says You're Not Perfect? Who Says You're Not Worth It? Which, by the way, um, written by Jordan Sparks. Fun mm. fact. Um, I really like that song. I loved it at the time when it came out. Still like it a lot. I like that it's a rhetorical question. Who says you're not perfect? Who says you're not worth it? And you're kind of meant to think exactly what she's saying. Whatever it is you think you can't do, no one's going to tell you no by yourself. But then in the before the last chorus, she goes, who says, who says, would you tell me who said that? And I always <laughs> think, okay, you're coming on a little too strong here. Like, what if I told you, oh, you know, this guy just did, oh, I didn't mean to say Justin. I meant to say like a random boy's name, Edward, this Edward in my class, he said, I'm not beautiful. You know, like I kind of feel like it yeah. turns the rhetorical question into a direct question that's expecting an answer. And I, that always rubbed me the wrong way. And it's like, it, I always thought it was funny. And so that's what this reminded me of. That's so funny. I also love that song. And I know exactly when you're talking about, but I never thought of it like that. Right. It's kind of like suddenly she starts, who says, who says, would you tell me who said that? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, oh. give me some names. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. And I think that we, so we talked about her kind of like showing up to people's houses, her old uh, house she grew up in where someone else lives now. And it was just like, I don't know, Becky, I know you had some thoughts on this about her just kind of showing up unannounced, but clearly not totally unannounced because like people are home, their faces aren't blurred out, right? It's so it's kind of awkward in that way. Yeah, I think there's no way. I think they was told to make like it was planned, especially the school situation. Like they had to have known that she was coming in some way because all those kids had to sign papers. Their parents had to sign papers. Um, it was just weird. They were trying to make it look organic for like effect, I guess. I do think maybe her walking around the neighborhood was um, real, but the school thing, the school thing was definitely planned. Mm-hmm. Well, she did. I mean, she saw her, her neighbor growing up's kids. So they also must've had to sign some sort of thing, whether or not it was before or after. Mm. they filmed oh yeah that's true yeah I feel like they were including this content to show like her quote-unquote roots but like once again there was no like meaning or values or explanation behind these roots um and I even mean like I don't need like I don't even mean good values I just mean anything like we worked we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps which then we could like you know problematize but she didn't even say anything like that yeah Mm -hmm. for sure So that, okay, so that leads into um, another sort of theme throughout, which is her as this empathetic person, which I think she is, um, with, you know, these mental and physical health struggles that we've talked about a little bit. I feel like there are these, I don't know, I sort of feel like it's poignant, but then I sort of feel like it's like gross and extractive moments of like, unless that's really what she wanted, which is just hard to tell with any, it's hard to like parse with any person who's been famous or working in the industry since they were like seven but you know when she's like monitoring her blood pressure and she's like I do this you know it's that it needs to be at this level so that I don't have a stroke or uh, mentioning the kidney transplant or not getting really into it um I don't know when she you know she talks about wanting to go 
public with her bipolar diagnosis and Raquel is like, no, but then she does. And her fans are like, you are saving lives doing this. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I did. Did you guys like the, the lose you to love me part where she like talks about having sort of a breakthrough and then it takes her like 45 minutes to write a song with Julia Michaels and co I, okay. So I like that. She's like, I wrote this song it just kind of came pouring out of me. Basically, it took 45 minutes. And then I, I mean, I like that it, it's not like I wanted it to bomb on the charts. Like, yeah. I like that it did well on the charts. But then as her team was celebrating, they're like in the car and they're celebrating when they get the news. Cynically, I was like, are we downright gleeful about this because this song is reaching and helping people or because it is making money? Can it really be both? These are questions that matter to me, but I don't know if they should. Um, yeah. But yeah, what did you think about that? I definitely think it's both. Um, I think I'd phrase make because it's making money as like something that they're gleeful about is that they're quote unquote, like actually it's getting her attention and relevance, which obviously connects with, with money. But I think it's more like, Oh my God. Okay. Anyone cared that we put out a song because I think even when you're incredibly famous, you could put out a song that no one cares about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's totally both. I think they, they, they phrase all, this is what's so weird about all of this. They phrase all of it as like, oh, you just need to reach people with your powerful message. And it's like, yeah. And you want to like sell out your next tour. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. To like say that's your incentive. It's okay. Not everything has to be like God's purpose. Some things can be like, we want to chart well, because that's like good for our brand, you know? Okay. I do think I, I also was like sort of intrigued by the part uh where she's like doing all these press tours album tours um and all these like interview questions and like whether the interview is like totally meaningless where they're like word association marshmallow and she's like fluffy or which is like boring and meaningless or if it's like talking about what she wants to do with her life and she starts talking about like her mental health curriculum and stuff that we'll get to um, and the interview's like uninterested in any meaningful follow-up. And she, she says it makes her feel like a product specifically. She said it made me feel like Disney, but we never yeah. really talk about that. So I would have, I feel like I know what that means just, you know, uh, but it yeah, been... I appreciated seeing that moment for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's, she's the part where she's like made to sort of talk to a mirror. I don't know. Right. Like as it must have been some YouTube video conceit that was like, talk to this mirror. I'm like, we're going to ask you questions through the mirror and you have to like talk back to it. Mm-hmm. It was very dark. It was dark. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like the press tour montage scenes were like very meta and very tough because I know for a fact, because I've been consuming some of this content that she's on a press tour now for this movie, yeah. you know, for this film. Right. So that made me feel feelings because they would do a montage of like, hi, this is Selena Gomez and I'm going to play the emoji challenge or something like that. And I'm right. like, oh, I watched those videos on YouTube and, but they're, it's so dark to see them all one after the other. Right. Right. Of course. So under this banner that we're talking about right now, um, about some of these struggles, like this is where and I've been alluding to this, this whole episode. Like, I feel like this Christian individualist mentality that she subscribes to is so dangerous um, for her and for all of us who live in this in this world and this mindset, I know it gives her a lot of meaning 
I know for her to believe that she has a larger purpose in life and that it's hers alone to achieve, it, it gives her a lot of meaning, but it scares me. There was a moment when she's talking about something she wants to accomplish, that she would want to pass a bill that makes um, mental health education, um, you know, in schools, which we're going to talk about also. Um, and someone's like, well, what's holding you back from that? And she's like kind of crying and she's like that I'm not capable. And I'm like, girl, Congress is complicated. It's not just you. Like, yes, you should be doing, you should achieve that. And at the end, she has made progress with the White House. Smart of her to, to pivot to an executive branch strategy instead of the legislative branch strategy. But her being like, it's on me to pass a bill in Congress. It's like, have you heard of Mitch McConnell? There's a lot, there's a lot going on on Congress. Like, and then there's this other part we talked about when Raquel's like, you need a positive attitude. And she's like, I am having fun, but like, obviously isn't. It's like, it's okay if you're not. And then there was a part where she was like, do I feel like I've made an impact in Kenya? Yes. But do I feel like I've done enough? No. And I don't think she means done enough as in done as much as I can. I actually don't think she meant that, which I think Mm -hmm. that's legitimate. I think she actually meant done as much as the continent of Africa needs. I think that's what she meant. And it's like, you are not the only person in the world, Selena Gomez. It's like, not only is it not on you, but for you to, if you think it is, you will fail and you will actually do more harm and you will be perpetuating the, like the, the long tail of, of colonialism, rich people thinking that it's on them to be the ones to fix things is not helpful even if we might say, oh, well, their guilt maybe leads them to give more money. So isn't that good? But I would argue, no, it's not good to give money in certain ways. Like it's actually very harmful, some development philanthropy money. Um, I think if Selena Gomez keeps thinking this, she's not going to be addressing root causes in solidarity with people who are like directly impacted, but what, by whatever she thinks she's trying to solve. And it's not that I blame her for this, but it makes me sad because it makes all these burdens in her life feel like hers alone. I mean, in philanthropy, if she actually took like a rights-based approach, a human rights respecting approach Mm -hmm. to philanthropy, she would never talk like this. Mm -hmm. Number one, number two, she'd make more progress. And number three, I think she'd feel better. I think she'd make more lasting partnerships. And I think that it would like give her even more meaning, but whatever, that approach to philanthropy is pretty countercultural. So anyway, all those things, like the philanthropy of it all, the Raquel of it all, the toxic positivity of it all, I think that she is just not served by the individualist mentality that she is like really subscribing to. That's like full of platitudes and bullshit. Instead of philanthropy, she could pay more in taxes. Yeah. Like, I don't know, philanthropy in itself is... Yeah. I think she there's radical ways she could do it, but it seems that's so not on her radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's Christian. She's religious. Like yeah, it's the really, way yeah. she is from a very like small town and te- religious town in Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if she did learn about the history of this country in school or tutoring or whatever mishmash child stars get, she would have gotten the sort of like iconography approach of like, this person who's untouchable yes. did everything. And it's yes. like, that is never, ever actually the case. It's always about movement building. It's always fighting yes. with Congress and the president and all sorts of things like that. And uh, yeah, so it's just harmful in all sorts of ways. And and yeah. I don't, yeah, she doesn't like mean it that way, but yeah. but I took it the same way. 
And just to also put a fine point on this, it's not that because of her religiosity, she has these politics. What I'm because I, I there's many different ways to be religious. There's many different ways to be Christian. And I like I don't mean to paint it with a broad brush, but I think what I'm trying to say is like in dominant culture, the the a lot of our values that we think are secular actually come from a certain kind of Christianity and a certain kind of capitalism. And I think she embodies that like like nobody else. <laughs> Perfect embodiment of it. Best, best to ever do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about this this last piece, um, okay. which to me was the most compelling in that I really didn't like it, um, which is the Selena as philanthropist, mental health curriculum developer, question mark. And yeah, so I think so we could talk about Kenya and the we charity pretty briefly. Um, essentially, Selena explains that she helped fund a primary school and college for women in Kenya through We Charity, but couldn't visit for years uh, because of her kidney transplant. She goes in 2019 with Raquel and her team to visit those schools. And it's like very, I don't know, voluntourism adjacent to me. It's like very like definitely no recognition uh, or acknowledgement that colonialism, neocolonialism, capitalism created a lot of longstanding problems here. And now somehow those same systems or outgrowths via ambassador Selena Gomez and her team will also be the solution. Right. Um, so I don't know if, if there were any other thoughts that you wanted to share, but it was just, for me, it was just sort of like, that was, I couldn't look away, but it was hard to watch from start to finish. Yeah. It was such like a, I just wish that was not in the documentary, but it's so important to her. And that's, what's hard is like, I know it's important to her, but for all the, it's, it's like, literally it's the only thing that's given her a taste of anything meaningful. And that is, that's what I mean by it breaks my heart. Like yeah. when I said in the beginning yeah. where she's, this was meant to be like, look at this amazing woman who gives back. And I'm instead like, this hurts. This is hurting the people she's trying to help. And I think it's hurting her and it's hurting me by watching. <laughs> yeah it's like it's sad sad for a lot of reasons but it's like selena run a mutual aid in texas yeah. oh <laughs> my god imagine? a lot of those people that are your neighbors like need help yeah and assistance and the structures to change <laughs> yes absolutely yeah it's like you're from a state that that needs so much help. And it, I mean, every state needs help, but that state, re Texas really, and if Texas really went in a different direction, that could be huge beyond Texas. So let's focus on that. Yeah. Um, it's like those people, yeah. those people need you, especially because this uh, shocking company uh, ended up being a scam. The We Charity. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about like the kids that she talks to at the primary school and at the college, this like woman who tells this, um, who seems like so genuine and thoughtful and vulnerable and thankful and talks about kind of her mm -hmm. family's trajectory and her family tragedy. And it did not make me like the charity at all. It just made, it made me feel, yeah, it just made me feel more sad. So, yeah. so, you know, she goes on this trip. She loves this trip. She's happy there. And then she comes back. And this is what I think, Hannah, you were saying, like this sort of ends in 2020. Yeah. She comes back. We know what the deal is. The TV's on. COVID is here. Like there's an announcement. And then at the same time, the We Charity in Canada with Justin Trudeau gets shut down. None of the accusations 
related to that show up. Like I looked them up because I was like, what happened here? So there were accusations of cronyism, financial fraud, um, that it illegally lobbied the government, that it might have violated labor laws, like bad stuff. And none of these are mentioned. Um, but in the documentary, she says, the accusations against We Charity made the work I was just planning to do with them impossible. Um, yes. And yeah. to um, to go back to our larger conversation about what was this doc- what format was the documentary in, this is one of the only voiceovers we hear from her the entire, mm. if not the only. The other voiceovers we mentioned were her reading her own journal entries with like weird kind of like photo booth, like Mac MacBook photo booth style effects. And there's no direct to cameras interviews from Selena. But then this is one of the only times she like comes out with a voiceover that I can remember. Yeah. And she makes it about her. Yeah. Not about like, oh, these kids have probably (laughs) suffered from like this defunct and fucked up organization. Yeah. Oh my God. But she's like, but the work I wanted to do is not over yet. I do think we have to just mention the part that you were, um, that you had drawn our attention to uh, earlier, Mimi, but we were, I, we might've wanted to skip, but I don't want to skip it, which is when the girls she is talking to who live in Kenya, who have certain like massive structural um, inequalities that they're talking about. And then someone's talking about how, because of what I forget exactly why, but like she was going to be um, married off quote unquote by her Mm -hmm. family. And now she's in school and isn't going to. And Selena Gomez's response is, do you believe in love? And they laugh. And she kind of takes their laugh to be like, oh, they're not used to deep conversations. (laughs) This is my opinion. Because then she's like, no, I'm serious. Do you believe in love? And it's like, Selena Gomez, this is not what we're talking about right now. This is simply not what we're talking about. That was a crazy moment. Exactly. Yes. She's like, do you believe in love? And it's like, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the thing where you have to get married because that is sort of the way forward when you don't have other options potentially in this society that's different than yours. An early and forced childhood marriage is a very, very complex situation Mm -hmm. that is different in every culture, but it has very similar root causes that are basically like unsurprisingly colonialism, racism, and poverty. And for her to just be like, yeah, but love. Uh (laughs) So that like, that's what I mean. Like the, the, we barely saw any of her personality and the parts that we saw, I feel like we're all platitudes, which is just a bummer. Totally agree. I think I liked Uh this movie less than I realized. (laughs) <laughs> I came into this be- like ready to be like, this is the part I liked and that's the part I liked. And instead I'm just like, this is the part I didn't like. <laughs> You've been influenced. Um, yeah. I've probably like picked out some, some of those things too, but I think so. Okay. Should we move into, I mean, we talked a little bit about the mental health curriculum, um, but I just want to talk about that like a little bit more because it resonates with like some of the things that I do and think about a lot. So it. when she says that she wants to create a bill for therapy classes in grade school, um, and that we charity founder guy who I didn't like the way he said at the time either, Hannah, you quoted him. He's like, what's stopping you? Oh <laughs> I was like, I don't like this guy, but it's a good question. Instead of like, let's make a power map of, or like, let's yes. make a campaign plan. Yeah. Like there's like ways to, to do advocacy. Yeah. There's like stuff you can do. Yeah. And I do, I, I appreciate that. You know, I think she's thinking about what she wished she had growing up and what might be helpful to future generations. And she wants to help people. 
But also the problem in schools is not just a lack of curriculum around this. Like the problem has to do with how geared our education system is towards standardized testing and all sorts of frameworks that are not at all conducive to feeling safe or seen or building community or teaching and learning with any sort of like care and ease. And so unfortunately, without that sort of awareness, which maybe she has, but it was cut out of the documentary, I could easily see some bill or curriculum getting folded into this scary achievement apparatus that I feel like is already turning mental health into buzzwords that serve capitalism, like giving like better help or or something like that. Or what Be- what Becky said earlier about like an ecosystem around, yeah. like it just, yeah. It's, it's all just brand deals. It's all anything is. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking about at the top too, the way that like capitalism and capitalists find new frontiers to profit off of. Um, yes. So. Which again, speaks to the individualist mentality where Selena Gomez thinks and everybody turns to her and says, what are you going to do? Instead of like, I think rich people should see themselves as facilitators, as like enablers, yeah. not as like the people doing all this stuff. Like all Selena Gomez has to do is like give money to experts, put them in a room. Well, that sounds a little scary. <laughs> give, <laughs> offer them a retreat center or whatever, you know, and like let them just do their thing. She doesn't have to do it. I'm not saying she doesn't have expertise to offer, but like she doesn't have to be the one who's writing the mental health curriculum. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Totally. I mean, I feel like the way things end are sort of like gesture to what the point is supposed to be. And so like this ends with um, her talking on on World Mental Health Day over Zoom with Vivek Murthy, who's like the physician and surgeon general uh, at the White House and, um, you know, about service as the antidote to loneliness, which I think can be true. Yeah. But it, it so it closes with the slide about her rare impact fund and, and raising $100 million for mental health resources for young people. Um, and then another slide about like going to the White House for the Youth Action Forum on Mental Health. And it's just like a totally mixed bag to me because, again, I want her to be OK. And then I want her to like give her time and money to good people only who know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like she's still treated as a product and and has been for so long. And so I just was like, ah, like, what does this ending mean? I don't yeah. know. Um, but that's kind of all I I had to say about it. Yeah. And then I was like, where's the context for why you're on Zoom? I don't know. I was, it was again. <laughs> you mean because it was like clearly a, an early COVID? Yes. Yeah. yeah. As Mimi coined COVID Q1, like the Q1 of the pandemic. Yeah. Although yeah. at that point, I think it was because he wasn't, you know, under oh. Trump, he wasn't the. Oh, right. So actually, I think it's like probably Q4. COVID Q7. Again, no like, context, yeah. like no context for any of it. I was like, why are you doing this? You're not even talking about any of the other shit that you've done. Yeah. Yeah. It just it, it makes me upset. All that money spent on such a poorly yeah. made documentary. Since 2016. They've been working. This team has been well, working since 2016. Yeah. I mean, they clearly started in 2016. I would guess to do a doc on the tour and then it ended up yeah. being something else. Yeah. That was what I figured it was. You know, we didn't talk about it just to say in two sentences. The... That revival tour footage, which basically is framed as like, look at all this chaos that then leads to her having to cancel the tour and a breakdown. I actually, I, I kind of wanted a little bit more, but I, Me too. Like, you know, but like I appreciated it and I was like, oh my God, I would lose it. Like, I really, like, I, I think they accomplished what yeah. they were trying to accomplish where I was like, I would, lo- I would lose my mind. That was the best part of the documentary. I thought. I yeah. thought so too. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was the raw footage. That was it. Yeah. That was that part. When she's talking when about her really negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she's talking about her negative thoughts and the way that impacts her is like a direct way for people who may not know that they are experiencing mental illness or see right. someone that has it, but that's like a way to see how right. like bipolar disorder manifests and like we, or just like mental illness man- manifests. It was really like, it was really heartbreaking to watch, but I thought that was like a very like educational. Yeah. And that's kind of what it's for, but then we don't really get there again. Mm-hmm. Still rooting for her. Always rooting for her. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious to see like how this sort of goes down in the, in the world of, um, in her career, but also in like the world of, you know, documentaries about celebrities, how we sort of look back at it. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I'm rooting for her too. I want the best for her and I want the best for the world at large. And uh, I think that those things can be compatible and now I'll get off my high horse and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. <laughs> yeah, we really did. We really do. I mean, hope that you, yeah. yes, we really do. Bye. Can't wait That's to hear what you think. Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the B-Sides podcast. We want to connect with you. Check out the show notes to find our Instagram, Twitter, and join our Facebook group where you can link up with us and other progressives who love pop. Please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already, and consider supporting the B-Sides on Patreon. Until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. 